This is a Hoff Studios podcast. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everybody. Wait, so your, uh, your last name is Schmidt, right? Schmidt. Astrid Schmidt, welcome to Mom Curious. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being so here. I have followed you for, I think it's about, um, maybe it's a year and a half now. One of our guests, Jenny Greenstein, who has actually supported the podcast in many ways, mm. um, she shared one reel of yours after a school shooting where the opening line was, depression is health. Mm. And I was like, click. What do you mean? That was the first time I mm. ever heard that. Mm. And it was this like, mo this collective moment of, uh, I don't know if it was depression, but it was despair. Mm. And you were calling us all into that experience. Don't push it away. Mm. We have a lot to learn from this. And ever since, mm. I really have learned so much from you about mm. your approach to mental health. Um, mm your your approach um as in like your spiral mapping mm -hmm. I, i'd love for you to tell us more about about that mm -hmm. um and maybe just introduce yourself because i know you know we have your bio and we're, we're absolutely gonna you know write that into the caption but i think like whenever i sit across from someone depending on the day you're sort of a different you particularly if you live in a female body or a female identified body like every mm -hmm. day can feel different so i'm wondering who are you today mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. And um, yeah, I mean, my, um, so I'm, my background is I'm a clinical social worker. Uh, I've been a social worker my whole career, almost 20 years, um, <clears throat> and a psychotherapist, but um, for 17 years. But I'm sort of like, I don't really identify, attached to the label. I feel like more of an artist or a guide or a facilitator. Someone who, yeah, a facilitator, like you know. And so um, just privileged to work with people and interested mm. really fascinated by people um so yeah just feel really lucky to be able to do this work and be excited about it still yeah, yeah. you work one-on-one -on -one, but you also have a workbook and a, an approach called mm -hmm. spiral mapping can you yeah. tell us a little bit about what that is like um mm -hmm. what your approach to mental wellness is it mm -hmm. is that what you would call it yeah mental what wellness like mental health um so I, I work primarily over my career with individuals. I've also held groups. I'm interested in in creating more offerings that make will make the work more available. But spiral mapping is my 
um, creative healing method that was basically sort of came to me as a distillation of all 17 year, years of like sitting with people and being mm. like, what works and what doesn't work? And like, what is it that actually creates traction for healing versus when we're just sort of like spinning our wheels? And <clears throat> I think it's like some part of my personality that's like, I don't know if it's impatient. I'm just not interested if things aren't like moving. And I'm interested in like helping people get where they're trying to go. Yeah. So it's not like passive. It's not just like active listening and there's total value to talk therapy. And Is there? <laughs> I, I mean, so they say. I mean, to a, to a degree, maybe that's like, a sh you know, your foot in the door, sure. like, talk therapy. Okay, fine. I think that actually, it does require a lot of bravery for some people. It does. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of like a maniac about like getting people where they're trying to go. <laughs> mm. um, but also at the same time, there's like this paradox of like, you don't, you're already good. You're already whole. There's nothing actually that needs to change. So it's just interesting. But I think people come to me for transformation and they're interested in, um, getting, they're interested in, in evolving. Um, so spiral mapping is this idea of like how to be oriented around our healing work in mm -hmm. a way that um, I think most people aren't, uh, especially in like the clinical mental health model. It's sort of like we're sort of educated by the culture to be, um, to label and identify with our diagnoses or to say like, this is, this is my issue. These are my symptoms and how to right. manage it and how to sort of help yourself to live your best life anyway, or I don't know. Um, but I think it's helpful to be oriented for me or what this is just how I, how I think about healing work. I'm actually wearing a ton of spirals. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. I'm outfit. a spiral maniac, but, um, so the spiral basically is, um, there's like four phases of the spiral, the ascent it, or the peak. I'm going to go see if I get this right. Mm -hmm. The peak is where we're, where we're in the part of ourselves that knows who we are. We're in our depth. We're in our grace. Mm -hmm. We've integrated all the teachings. We are ascended masters, you know, and then, um, it's just a real juicy sort of elevated part of our person person. And then life will trigger us or we will trigger ourselves and we'll sort of descend <laughs> and kind of like turn, take a turn on the spiral. Yeah. And then we'll oftentimes hit the bottom of the spiral, which is like a period of contraction where we're taken in, like where it feels like life is like crunching down on you or squeezing down on you or becomes like a vice. And you're confronted in that, in that time with your core material, which is like whatever it is that we came into childhood to experience. It's mm. like our core curriculum. Mm. And um, those theme, those sort of core themes are going to be activated and it's going to feel like mythological proportions. Usually when we're at the bottom we forget what we know. The ascended yeah. master has left the building. We don't remember. We're like, what? This sucks. We're in victim. Yeah. All right? those self-help books you read, just like, like I don't remember anything. Window. I forgot all the epiphany, right? It's like everything is sort of like lost. And it can feel like we're sort of back at the drawing board and being like, I'm back here again. Yeah. You know? Um, and then, and there's like a, pro a protocol <laughs> for what to do when you're at the bottom, like care instructions, I call them. Mm. The curious adult revisits and emerges. So it's this like really... Um, sort of lovely way of like being able to sort of meet yourself because when we're at the bottom, we have to separate the child material from the adult and do some real deep, subtle, <laughs> discerned work there so that when we're released from the contraction, which we will be whether we work on it or not. Oh, really? We don't have to work on it. You can just be like grin and bear it and you'll be released. Um, but if we just grin and bear it, we're going to keep looping back to on the, the same theme yeah. and we're going to keep feeling like, why am I back here? And it won't necessarily evolve because pain isn't necessarily transformative. We can just be, if we're not aware of who in us is feeling the pain, 
It can just be a reenactment. You mean like you being your inner child or one of many inner children mm -hmm. or your higher self or your adult self? Who in you? What do you mean by yeah, that? Yeah, like the, if there's different parts, right? And mm -hmm. so it's like whoever is present um, in us. It just, it matters a lot, like who's doing the feeling. And we mm -hmm. have to be in relationship to the part that's doing the feeling um, for there to be like to move the needle, to reshape the iron <laughs> that gets heated up in the contraction. Yeah. Um, because if we're just in child and in victim, it's not going to move, right? We're here to like transcend our consciousness. We're here to like evolve. So we need to bring higher consciousness in the wound. Mm. So anyway, then you are released either way. And then there's a period of integration where it can feel like suddenly you just feel better. And, um, but what's interesting is if you do this work at the bottom of the spiral, where you're able to meet your child self in their, in the truth, small T truth of what they experienced, but recognize that it's not ultimately true. Not those mythological proportions are, right. are not the ultimate truth. Right. Which is really true. I mean, this is such high level work because it's so tricky because usually when we're triggered, it feels like, look at my bank account, look at my relationship. Right. With There's right. evidence. That's what's going on. And there is there evidence. Is. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. But it's, it's sort of like if we want to evolve spiritually and like psychologically, we have to recognize that that is only like one part that it's not only what, that it's one part of the picture that the outer world and the choreography of those contractions is happening so that you can have access to the origin mm. of that feeling. Oof. Right. So if you feel like my job, I got fired or my got broken and you feel abandoned, that's not, um, most likely, especially if you keep noticing that that's where you go <laughs> when you're at the bottom. Right. That's your core material. Right. You know what I mean? And you have to yeah. like meet the younger part of you that experienced that to be, to rescue, to like relieve them of like th their abandonment. Um, to almost reparent them? You have to reparent. It's a lot of reparent, essentially reparenting work. You yeah. know, it's a huge amount of reparenting work. And so then if you're able to do that, then you notice, because there's like a single side worksheet in the workbook. Um, where you can kind of fill out like what's going on when I'm usually we're not doing it when we're at the peak because we're just living our best lives. Uh -huh. But when shit hits the fan, you're like, oh, what's going on? And like to really try to I, I ask, just encourage people to really try to map out like what are the core themes? Like, is it really is it abandonment? Is it like it's usually, you know, core material is like undeserving, not good enough, right. unlovable. Oh, and, and right? so, OK, so like those flavors of those themes, those those thoughts came from a little little kid feeling that because that can't be true. Right. We, yeah. we are all. I know as an adult person mm -hmm. that each each one of us is worthy, yep. is lovable, mm -hmm. is like there's no excess in the universe. Yep. Without Astrid, there would be no Astrid mm -hmm. in this time. That would be horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, I know that. But the child's part, if I access my unworthiness, mm -hmm. say I step on stage and I'm like, oh, no, I have to really, I really have to muscle through this. I really have to prove myself. That's a little girl. Yeah. That's so interesting. Well, also because our inner child doesn't come with us. Like we can know, like I am a person of worth and value. And like, I, you know, I love and accept myself. We can know that, but it doesn't, the inner child doesn't necessarily come with mm. because we were hurt relationally. So we actually have to have this ongoing relationship with the inner child themselves. Mm. To be like, I see you, you are good enough, you know, um, and to really like make more direct contact with that part. How do you do that? So I call it transformational contact, which is like when you're triggered, like if I'm working with someone, um, but again, this is like accessible and like self, you know, and doing something like self work in the spiral mapping. But it's like you, when you're really the most activated, you're being approached by some biographical material. So if there's some part of you that could be curious, 
Like just being curious is a really gentle way, even if it feels like, okay, that doesn't feel like there's an adult here. But like, if you can be interested in what's going on, that is already bringing capacity. Um, but ideally what, what it looks like is like, instead of being like, I'm alone, my partner abandoned me or my job, whatever, like, that's just true. You, you recognize that there's a child in the room and you want to like bring that child into your lap or sit them next to you and say like, I like receive that they're actually feeling safe enough by your adult presence to show you how it felt mm, to be a I child. I loved that lesson. You once you you once came on Instagram and gave that lesson. Mm. Just that um, actually when you are feeling that triggered or you are being flooded or you are being met with your shadow, it, it, almost take it as a compliment. Yeah. That you're, right. you're younger like, self. Thumbs up, you're doing it. Your healing work's working. I actually had a moment with my, my own inner child where I was like, you trust me. Mm-hmm. You, I've created enough safety yep. for you to come to me in a way that I never really and could, yep. could go to an adult, you know? That's so on point. That's totally the point is to recognize. Because if, if we don't get that, <laughs> then we don't Then realize, I feel offended. Then we I, feel like I'm well, fucked up. Why am I here? Yeah. yeah. And, and even if, in, I think there are some of us who have done inner child work where it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Where, you know, where we would even speak to our own inner children as as the adults would have spoken to us a generation ago, yeah. which wasn't great. You know, they, they, you know, I, I can give a lot of passes, but if we could be honest, like mm-hmm. it wasn't great to just say, okay, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Be quiet. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I said that to my own inner child, even though I, I could be triggered by the, by the trigger itself. Yeah. But if I could really accept that, wow, this is a real compliment, little one. Yep. It means that your you work is working. Trust me that my life is set up for you to be your whole uh, self mm. in a way that you maybe weren't uh, uh, allowed to be. That's a beautiful way to put it. it. Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Come, come, sit next to me. That was a big learning for me um, recently in in uh, in tuning into your your work. It's really powerful because in my experience, I don't know if you've experienced this. <clears throat> but like, I think it can sometimes feel like a inner child work. I just have to know there's an inner child and that's, and then my job is done. <laughs> I did that for my twenties. I was like, what? I get it. But no, um, versus being like feeling sort of burdened by the inner child. Like, Oh Jesus okay. Lord. Like there's so much pain here. Like, Oh God. Like, and, and that, and feeling like it's like labor laborious. But I feel like after a certain point, there's some, there's this thing that happens. And, and this is why I love the spiral and love like including the metaphysical and, bringing reverence to our path to be like, all of this is, um, you know, when we're in reverence, everything has meaning, mm. right? This is why the clinical model sticks in my craw because there's no meaning for pain in that lens, right? Um, Even in mental health? Or do you just mean- yeah, It's symptom, like, it's a symptom. In clinical mental health care, any and all pain is symptom of disease, right? So there's no like, there's no altar, or there's nothing sacred about it. It's just as though we're like, in our being you know what I mean well that's what's so it what what's so interesting for me is like so much of that inner child for many of us we had big feelings and we were labeled bad and then we grew up had big feelings and were labeled ill yeah yeah but I was gonna say what was it's interesting is that that after for in my experience and I'm, I'm curious if you would want to share too is like and I think you just did actually around <laughs> like when you when you recognize it's sort of like parenting actual children 
Like, it's exactly the it's same. same. It's the same thing. But like when you get to the the place of like reverence where when it when you have that encounter with a part that's been so far gone for so long, decades, and you've done enough work that like here comes another another wave of it. It's like this feeling for me of like such deep like reverence and gratitude. Like, oh my God, I get to yeah. do this. Yeah. I get to parent. I'm not like, this oh, very new. kids, when you're 18, like, get out. It, it's, that's not how I'm parenting my actual kids or my <laughs> inner children. Yeah. You know, to be to be like, I get to do this. I get to be a safe harbor for you. And I get to encounter my own wholeness. I get to receive more of myself, like to be in the sort of ecstasy of like coming together yeah. and becoming more whole. It's not like. That's exciting. You know what I mean? That's a, that makes it, it's all good, all God. I don't know. It's good. Yeah. I, I, I can, I, I, that's like a step I'm like probably in the middle right now mm. where I'm like, oh man, big feeling, big feeling means little person I have to tend to, but I have these other little people, mm. but something that I, well, it, when I'm, when I'm really integrated or I'm really feeling, um, able, I can feel that feeling of like, I get to, mm -hmm. I get to, in the same way that I, when I'm having a good day with my children, I get to wipe their butt. <laughs> you know, totally like, right. It's like, it's not going to be, I get to bathe them. Like, I'm not going to bathe them forever. You know, I get to put them to sleep. Like, you know, I think that's a great, it's a great um, mantra if we're trying to remind ourselves of like, this is actually an opportunity that like won't be forever. But just like real parenting, it's not like ecstasy every it's second. Hard. It's like, oh, geez, you know, like it's going to be hard. It's, it's hard. It's devotional work. And it's, it's hard. Devotional. It's hard work. Yeah. You know? Well, I saw this one, um, this one sort of example of yours where you were talking to your inner child, like, oh, my God, mm. you I get to, I get to hang out with, I get to be you. Mm. And like, I think the message was, if you're not talking to your inner child this way, like there's still more healing work mm. to do. And I, when I first saw it, first of all, I, I giggled, but I also was like, I don't know. But I tried mm. it walking down the street and she's like, really into it. Uh -huh. And it makes it a lot easier to be kind to my own children. Yeah. Because it really soothes the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And like, if actually, if I'm not kind to my own inner child, it's really hard to be in grace with my actual children because we, there's a part of me left behind. Yeah. If we can't extend that to that part of ourselves, it's going to be hard to accept it in that, that part in them. Yeah. Right. If we judge that part in ourselves, we're going to judge it in them. Yeah. Just being children. Loud. Yeah. I mean, the, the kitchen sink. Yeah. All of it. You were saying yeah. that um, that our children can activate parts of us. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was something that I'd love to share with our audience, that it's that that's a normal part of of parenthood, that it, at every age and stage, we're sort of reminded of mm -hmm. our own selves. Can you speak a little bit about that? Maybe from your yeah. own experience? Yeah, actually? for but, sure. I mean, I think... I love that you speak from your experience, by the way, which is it's so rare for someone in um, mm. uh, with a social. Um, I hate the therapy. I hate the decorum. Therapy. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, can we just be people? And the like, I can't it's, a, it's actually therapist. so much more healing because like yeah. you're a person and I'm a person. Yeah. And like whatever outies happened, we're, we're person to person, yeah. most likely. Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I, I just I love it so much when you, um, when you speak from your own. Mm, thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I, well, I think it's a spiritual path, 
if you're gonna have a child, you're on a spiritual path. Like, mm. to me, I think about, I mean, at least that's how I've been oriented is like conscious parenting. Conscious parenting doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly. It just means that you're gonna mess up. You're gonna hurt your kids. One of my teachers, Jarlin, would say like, we we hurt our children and we help them. We help them and we hurt them. Like there's no, there's it's a razor's edge. Like there's no getting around that. Really? <laughs> I hate that. I know. I know. It's And then like- It's just reality, huh? It's reality. We're in contract to, heal, to help them and hurt them. And if we're conscious, we're going to be willing to look at what that was. That part of me that I know isn't like my deepest maternal like self, my, the highest vision of my mothering, right? It's just like being willing to look and not like lash ourselves for having come out of integrity or like yelled or done whatever we're doing with our kids. It's um, not, it doesn't help them in the end. Even if we lashed ourselves, like that only solidifies it, that it will continue Yeah, because nothing changes until we love it. Nothing changes until we separate from it and we love it. Love our love ourselves. Love yeah, because our if, if we if we judge ourselves for being like, why did I do that? I'm such a bad mom. Like they deserve better. Whatever the shut. I mean, I've come through a lot of predatory stuff in my mothering. Um, it doesn't go away. It doesn't work. It just means that you you're gonna have to encounter that part again because you're like I, you're saying I'm not willing to look at you. Right. You're I'm not really. You're rejected. I'm not. You're, I'm gonna keep you banished, and then you're gonna have to pop up again unconsciously, and I'm gonna have to face you again. Until I'm willing <laughs> to be interested in you, to see what you're needing, you know. So. To love you. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I really relate. Yeah. 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 So I feel like mothering is just such a deep spiritual path. I feel like we're in deep contract with our kids. And I feel like, you know, for my youngest, it's different. You know, like that was a particular experience because she brought this postpartum awakening and I was like, that was like next level. I was like, I knew I was in spiritual contract with my kids, but like, damn, like, wow, this is real. This is real life. This is like a deep work we're doing together. It was you know? postpartum depression. I mean, I never defined it as that. I if had I gone to a psychiatrist, I probably would have been diagnosed with like a severe postpartum depression. And I would have if I needed, if I felt unsafe or, you know, I just, yeah. I felt it was like a, like a, it lasted several years. It was like a period of being in mm. like the underworld. Mm. and really being taken out of my life it's when my marriage fell apart it's when my family of origin imploded like all this mm. but it was like incredible because there was so much truth just my, my basically my trauma body was thawing mm. and she like birthed a whole new life for you too yeah i mean <laughs> too it was we had our hands full because she was postpartum and i was in some deep deep territory for a year a period of years Wow. You know, like the friend that's like, how's Astrid? Still not okay. One year later, two years later, like, still not okay. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to get out of this, you know, and sort of just like meeting that and um, being kind of, t it took a while to re even realize what was going on. Mm. So I thought I was just a, like tired. Yeah. Tired. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, no, this is like something bigger happening. Um, and this is why I love um, uh, Francis Weller. He's a soul activist. He writes about initiation. I talked about this in my in depression, alchemizing depression course, because uh, I think it's so helpful for women who are experiencing postpartum. Um, where he talks about like, we, we live in a culture that is fractured and we don't have rights of initiation, mm. but life will continue to initiate you. And the, and the purpose of that is to come into your wholeness and into your like gifts that you want to bring back to your community. I have to underline that. I <laughs> just have yeah. to underline that because um, I really appreciate that um, perspective that life itself is working for us, on us, with us, mm -hmm. 
to bring us to wholeness. Yep. Yeah. And we don't, and we live in a culture that doesn't allow for those rites of passage to be like, now you're an adult. And he says, we were this culture of like adolescence, right. And sort of, um, we haven't crossed the threshold and that's why we're not able to take care of ourselves and the earth, right. And all these things. But he says that like uh, life, whether it's through death, motherhood, parenthood, um, whatever it is, like loss will be, will, life will try to initiate you. Um, but you can say no. You can say, I'm not going to do it. You don't have to. It's like we have free will. Um, and so to me, that was so orienting. Like the concept of initiation is just so like moving to me and orienting around postpartum. Because I think postpartum depression is initiation mm. for women. Mm. And I think depression oftentimes is initiation for people, you yeah. know, and if you can like respect it as that instead of being afraid of it as like bad or pathological, because we're told by this misogynist system that that's like bad, right? Well, it's bad also because like the misogynist system wants us to keep going, mm -hmm. keep making, keep creating, keep working. And depression would have us just fucking sit still. Yeah. And also encounter our power. Oh, tell me more about that. That's the, that's the whole point of initiation is to come into your personal power, right? So that, that like it's it, it's interesting to me to like look at in the culture who shows up at those thresholds of initiation, like for women or obstetrics, even you know what I mean? Like the machine that kind of like meets us to be like you don't got this, right? The psych psychiatric, you know, what I mean? like you don't got this, or even just like the doctor model. Yeah, and I, I just want to say that I I want I want everyone listening to. Be in the care of anyone they feel safe with because yeah. that's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I had doctors when I was um, pregnant and giving birth. Mm. But the idea that uh, pregnancy and labor are like medicalized is in and of itself laughable. Yeah, it's the epitome of health. Right to bring life into the world. Yeah. Um, and I think we encounter these moments where society at large will have us believe that women are uh needing more assistance than we do that we're yeah. powerless yeah right and we're we're really uh -huh. the opposite because what would happen if we were, were like if they were like you got this you're good and then we actually like encountered our power it's very it would, it would be really scary because there, there would also be a lot of rage involved we would fucking Whoa. it's like kali you know we'd like <laughs> <laughs> we burn this this place to the ground. That's what I mean. I, but we wouldn't. That's the other thing. We wouldn't. We'd want to. I mean, rage wouldn't. is so fucking sacred. Rage is like your best friend. I mean, if you can vessel it. To me, that that initiation, it was like riding a rocket of rage. Well, rage and, and depression are two sides of the same yeah, coin, aren't they? It's the same thing. It's depression can be, mm -hmm. and you know better than I, so you mm. you tell me. But from my understanding, from my experience, yeah. I like my my experience of depression is like like unbearable rage that I muffle. Mm. I muffle so much I don't even know that I'm muffling yeah. it. Yeah. It, 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 do you find that to be true? Yeah, it's such a, a lot of the time, you know, because it, it's and that's why I think depression is health because it's 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 anger is a healthy organismic response to boundary violation, right? So for as children being like this doesn't work for me, I'm upset about this. That's a healthy response and that doesn't mean the system if it's in a healthy enough system they can say oh something's wrong like we can adjust around that so the anger can dissipate yes but if you're just forced to sort of live under those conditions it eventually starts to like build up and turn into rage and start to fester and turn into depression and then it's like then you're told you're sick because the, the system if it's not healthy enough it's going to blame 
yeah. the canary in the coal mine, you know what I mean? And like, and label and that person's like, I'm depressed. Right. So it, it's sort of, yeah, kind of creates that kind of cycle, which I just, I'm just super fascinated by culture and like by culture, know, culture, the culture of it. Like, it's not just my family, my personal family. I love that perspective. That's, you know, who I'm, I'm borrowing that from is Rezma Menachem. I don't know who that is. He's, he wrote my grandmother's hands um, mm. and writes right about like racial healing. And he says like, I'm going to botch it, but like personal trauma decontextualized looks like family or whatever. He's basically like everything is decontextualized. So we think it's like our personality and we think it's our family, but it's actually the white supremacist culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked about this a, a lot on the podcast, but I've done psychedelic assisted therapy mm -hmm. and so much of my own personal trauma and my family trauma has to do with mm -hmm. the oppression of Jews. Mm -hmm. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Terrible for me. Yeah. On my carrying on, that in your carrying body, that. Yeah. yeah. So if we don't if we don't contextualize and I'm just a, beyond being Jewish, I'm just a, a person, just a person in this system is hard. Yeah. But I, I agree that if we don't contextualize societal norms and the way we treat people, we have no real understanding of why our family was this the way. Mm -hmm. Not to yeah. give out passes, right? but really solely to understand ourselves. Yeah. To love ourselves, to bring ourselves, as you say, back into wholeness, mm -hmm. because we're we live in an, a really interdependent environment. Mm -hmm. I think also like that. I totally agree. And I think that that um, way of seeing the broader context it also helps eliminate shame because it's like it's not you're not it's not your personal failing like oh, love for, like this white men. I'm like, you're struggling because you've been repressed for hundreds <sighs> of years to be numb and dissociated and violent. Like, it's not your fault. Like, it's not. But it's, they're, you know what I mean? So just to be like, it's not your fault that the culture is. Well, we can't perpetuate violence. Yeah, uh, we, we can't do that. But I don't think the idea of like shaming ourselves. Yeah particularly when it comes to depression, which is already so shame-inducing. Yeah. It is. Um, it is. You're going <laughs> somewhere. I want to I want to know well, what's happening I, no, there. I just, I can't help it. I just, like... I, I have a... Um, I, I never have allergies, and I do today, yeah. but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, just, the, like, part of the mental health, like, the clinical culture yeah. response to mental health... Mm thing is like and i don't think there should be any stigma around people seeking clinical care at all you know i don't think that's right and healing depression is wrong or treating it differently you know is like holistically is wrong um but from within the clinical model there's this uh, this idea of like destigmatize it it should be destigmatized it shouldn't be shame around having a diagnosis yeah oh um, i understand you know what i'm saying so it's like to me i don't know if that's the I mean, I don't know if I can say it's like edgy, but like if that's the highest form of empowerment to say like you should be, I Part think I, no matter what, you shouldn't be shamed. Yeah. And so if you're if you're in that model and you feel shamed, you shouldn't be shamed. But to me, I'm like, it, it would better, I think people would be better served when it's available and it resonates to them to go this route to like actually heal the depression and not need that um, to identify with such a small part of themselves. And like hold on to a label when it's meant to actually be a verb <laughs> that you mm. move through and integrate. It's not meant to be a thing that you're holding on to. And actually, when you when you when you approach it that way, it freezes mm. all that sort of directionality that it wants to bring you into some different place inside of yourself. It kind of like 
can pump the brakes on that? I find the way that you talk about depression um, to be very loving. Mm. Um, without being that kind of like mushy about it, actually, mm -hmm. you're like, you're pretty firm. You're like, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, and the reason why that sort of is important is because I think people can be doubly wounded by the by the feeling itself and by the pain of the admission of it it, it can be like yeah uh, it's like it's like ouch on ouch on ouch mm -hmm. when we don't have to put layer on top of layer we could just say wow this is heavy right now mm -hmm. something's here something's here before you label it and then like to me the psychiatrist this sort of issue with psychiatry sometimes is that it's like a conversation stopper. It's sort of like thwarts the, our imagination around like, well, what is this? And what if it was like medicine? What if we could approach like pain as medicine and trust that it's your body's not making a mistake? And what does it want for you? If it were medicine, what would it be trying to do for you, you know, to have a signal that's getting mm. your attention in, the, in that way? And I, and again, I tend to attract folks that are like, have either been in that model for a long time. And for some people, this works great. The medical model especially short-term medication, meeting the crisis with support. I'm totally for not just like being, you know, crawling on your knees through something like that you don't feel supported to do. So I think it has its place and it's a tool that's available. Um, but like I noticed in my own practice, something that I found really fascinating around like the people that were had the most intractable depression seemed to be the ones that were most exposed to the clinical model. And, and the solution in that model is more medication. You switch it or you raise yeah. it, right? Or you add, you add, you add, add a medication, raise the dosage, or I don't, right? There's no, there's no, that's the sort of toolkit. Yeah. And the sort of like density that comes with like identifying is like, I've been depressed for 20 years. I've been on depression, medication for 20 years. Like to me, I'm like, that's not depression. That is culture. <laughs> ah. That's the culture. I call it the fog. That's mm -hmm. the thing that comes and, and like kind of disorients us and says, you're sick. And we're like, I'm sick. But if we didn't do that and we were just like, oh, something's here. Like, hello. Like, oh, there's and I a lot care about on. you and I care about you. You're stopping dead in your tracks. The thing is about um, like the idea of something is here and I care about you and let's slow down. I mean, if we think about ourselves as children, whoever said that, you yeah. know, really? Yeah. And I think that also had a lot to do with the societal demand on making money and mm -hmm. producing yeah. and all of that. So, you know, w of course we would pump our people full of drugs. Like, you know, what's the thing on Dunkin' Donuts? Like we- Run, America runs. On America on runs on Dunkin', right? Yeah. Like we're caffeinated. We're literally running from place to place. Mm -hmm. And if your internal signals are saying, I need a second. Yeah. The culture says keep going, right? Like the culture says done it. Keep, keep going. <laughs> Just like floor and, it. I, and I, I'm not actually judging anyone for taking yeah. medication by yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. I, I'm just offering this, um, and you and uh, as uh, as my own experience that mm -hmm. there's a lot to work with. The most practical piece that I always talk about in my work that, again, it's not either or. It's like how do we kind of enhance what's already being offered so people have more options, but. We're not taught to your point. We're not taught like slow down or like you have the capacity to mm. be with whatever it is that you're holding. How do we build <sighs> the inner resources to say like, to not be afraid of any feeling, to really like, cause that's the, to me, the gift of depression. It asks us to go deeper into ourselves because when we're in child consciousness, 
we're like, get me out of here. I can't do this. But when we're in our depth, where people don't have no idea how much resource they have inside of themselves. They have no, I, that's the thing that is it just sort of blowing my mind in recent years. Like people don't recognize how much power they have and how much capacity because they're connected to their depth. They have this, this part of themselves. That's like their depth. That's indestructible. That's um, curious that can handle anything. We came to be able to handle our bodies. Right. And like whatever it is that we're feeling, yeah, that doesn't mean we can't have supports, but the psychiatry and that model sort of doesn't give us a chance to practice working muscles mm. of deepening ourselves, of being like, how do I bear this? How do I sit with this? If, and especially if I approach it as reverent, as medicine, as information, mm. it's going to deepen us. It's going to be, yeah. it's going to bring us into our adult selves. And that's the gift of it. It's saying you can do this. You can bear more than you think you can. Is that what happened with you? Yeah. Can you tell me about that? I mean, I thought I had done some work before I hit you 38. Had. Come on. You know what I mean? I think it all prepared me to meet that, to meet that, you know, sort of what the initiation that approached me. Um, but it's really helpful to encounter your own power and to feel like I, there's nothing I can't feel, I can't not feel. Mm. right there's nothing that's bigger than me because i'm always connected to the part of me and it this helped me find the part of me that's actually bigger than my trauma that's bigger than the things that happened to me and that's that's true but it, most of us feel like our trauma is the biggest thing mm. it's really just like one pixel mm. of our experience it's like actually a really small part oh my god tell me more about that please yeah it's a really small part of our experience but we're again like the culture conditions us to feel like Depression is this big, scary, bad thing that you have and it's bigger than you and it's you just have to live with it kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like depression, I'm using sort of like as a blanket term for like pain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> managing pain. Managing. Could be anxiety, right? Could be yeah. just a feeling of just feeling like I, I can't hit the feeling of like there's something big and uncomfortable happening and I don't I don't know what to do with it or it's bad that it's here. Um, but again, to me, the work is very like practical. It's about like teaching skills of capacity that you can learn. It's not like. It's just for some people. You can actually like learn how to root down into the deepest part of you. And when you're in that anchor, you're not afraid of the feeling because you can relate to the part of you that's afraid. That feels like mm. huge, right? Going back to like spiral mapping and like when we're in our core material and it, the child was unresourced and felt out of control and felt like this is too much because it was. But our inner, our depth, our essence is like a whole other ball of wax. You know what I'm saying? Like that it's like, infinitely bigger than that's the god stuff yeah that's part of what we are i mean to me i'm, I'm metaphysically i feel like we're metaphysical beings right and so it's not just our human wound right that's that makes a lot more sense that like perspective around our even our um even our biographies let alone our traumas right even our biographies are a small part of who we are <laughs> it ends up just being a dream it's like it was a dream oh really you know to me it feels like that now it was like oh i remember that that was like a scary dream for a lot of it you know and being like oh that's i'm so glad it's over wow you know like just the way that we get to to me i feel like the transformation piece of this work is like and that our souls want to transform we came to like not be the same <laughs> just come here and be like stuck um i mean every story ever told has like the hero going through a journey an arc mm -hmm. but yeah we get to re we get to reincarnate within one lifetime mm. maybe more than once 
you know, and that, that to me is depression. That's like the birth canal. That's like the birth pain, the disorientation, like I'm dying. And it's like, no, you're being born. You're being, you're birthing yourself and birth is messy. Birth is overwhelming. Birth is scary. You think you can't do it. You think, but it's cause you're getting stretched larger. Right. Or like, and something is dying, you know, something is like shedding. Something is, isn't going to be the same as it was before. You know, and all that is just so deeply reverent. And that's, that's to me is like the biggest message of spiral mapping is to, I want people to like, not be like, oh, I have to manage my symptoms, <laughs> but to be like, oh my God, I get to walk this earth as a human. And I'm here to do some really deep sacred work. Mm -hmm. And all of it is so beautiful and reverent. Our pain, our joy, all of it together is how we encounter our wholeness, you know, and gathering up these parts of ourselves to feel more of that ecstasy of our own wholeness by retrieving these disowned parts that we had to reject when we were younger, you know, and just that sort of like homecoming. Then it's like, then pain becomes exquisite, you know, then it's not this thing that's like bad, that it is bad for a certain, at a certain level of consciousness. But it was bad sometimes to the adult in the room, yeah. right? to the teacher. There are some people who were hit for, you know, yeah, right. for crying. Yep. You know, yep. that was bad for them. That was their problem Yeah, that they yep. put on someone else. That's mm -hmm. not, we don't have to carry that around anymore, yeah. you know? Um, you did mention something that I thought was so important and like vital for this conversation before we came on, which was mm -hmm. that you believe that this time in history is perhaps like mm -hmm. the time or maybe the first time where we have the capacity to integrate in a way that we never could before yeah. as a species. Can you can you tell me more about that? Yeah, it feels like our even our, one generation ago, like our parents were like, I mean, in my experience, they weren't. They did what they could. I, I think every generation did better, maybe than their than the prior. But it feels like this is the first time where there's like a critical mass, like there's something forming where we have enough safety in, in this part of the world and like in certain parts of the world to like be, and in this country to like start to metabolize and meet the legacy that we've inherited, this yeah. like violent legacy of slavery and oppression and what, you know, so and I really genocide. Know. I really and, know. Right. Yeah. You know, so to like actually be able to be like, it's going to stop here. Right. And being able to have that. I feel that so deeply when I speak to mothers, um, and I know, I know for my husband, um, he's also doing his work, but I get to sit here and talk to you, like, mm. how lucky am I? Mm. That there are so many people who would consider themselves cycle breakers. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah. I, you know, before we came on, I also asked you, like, how do we do it? Like, we don't have any models. <laughs> But we're doing it. Yeah, we're doing it. I think there's a lot of like deep work happening right now and like awakening. And I think younger generations are just coming in like probably in a totally different frequency, mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's gonna, it's interesting, but also just trusting that like we, we're here now in this very like imperfect world mm -hmm. too. To me, there's also like, I don't know, just deep trust and like coming in in this moment to do that. And it does feel like lucky to be able to be like, wow, it gets to be so much better than it did for Oh my God, so much better. Our ancestors, right? And oh my God, for our ancestors, yeah. me and you, babe? Yeah. So much better. Yeah. So much better. Um, and for our kids. Yeah. Yep. To like let consciousness evolve instead of just like pass the toolkit of dissociation and 
numbing, you know, like, but to be like, no, we're not going to keep doing that. That's not been working. And it's not fun. I mean, when you talk about the opposite of dissociation and numbing, which is to embody Mm -hmm. oneself, one experience, Mm -hmm. all of your feelings, Mm -hmm. that's juicy stuff. That's what we came to do. And we're very privileged to live in a part of the world where we have access to like, yes, be able to live our, to be whole people. Yes. You know, without worrying, you know, fearing for basic needs, most of us, you know, so I just think it's, it's an interesting moment to be alive. And like lucky to appreciate. Yeah. Who we're able to be. Um, as we wrap up, I'm wondering if there's any like parting words maybe you have for someone who is in the throes of their initiation, mm. as you call it, mm. postpartum depression or of a depressive or contracted yeah. moment, if you have some wisdom to impart. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think I just just to trust the contractions, you know, to be interested in the contractions, to be like curious about where the pain points are that keep coming up um, in a general sense, you know, um, but also with initiation, like if someone is in like deep territory to be really sort of fascinated that they're there, you know, and to not be afraid or to imagine like, what would it be like to not be afraid of this moment, but to be like, there's something empower to me, there's like a, a deep empowerment that comes when we're tapped to be brought into really difficult inner material, because mm-hmm. it means that we have the capacity to meet it. Yeah. Right. And not everybody's tapped to do that work, you know, so to have and and it, I always say, kind of say in my work like, oh, rejoice. If you're tapped with depression, like rejoice. And it, people are like, oh, my God, you know, because it's like not that you should. They're like, but I can't. During. I, I literally can't shower. Rejoice. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. But to be like interested, like um, in the possibility that there's that there's medicine in where you're at and it's not pathological. And, it, you know, just to be sort of interested in like, wow, there's a lot of information here for me. And if we can, just like if it was a person, if, if instead of just being like, you're inert, mm. <laughs> you're bad, that wouldn't be a very interesting conversation. So to me, it's always like, how, what's the kind of conversation we want to have around what's going on and that it's possible to expand a conversation, have a more extensive ex- conversation, and you'll get different information mm. if you approach what's happening, you know, with more curiosity, which is hard to do when you're really struggling or if you've been struggling a long time, you know, to be like, what is this thing? Does um, that look like talking to yourself? Sometimes I, I like put my hand on my heart and I just like mumble, talk to myself, journal. Yeah. I think that the thing that's, that's important is to be properly oriented. This is why like, to me, spiral mapping is helpful as like a one tool of many that we have available to us at this day and age. Um, just to be oriented around like, this isn't bad. You're not like sick. You're like, this is something for you to meet. And if you meet it, you're going to be grown and stretched by it. And how to like help people not be afraid or like, so, cause again, we're conditioned to be so afraid of our bodies. Oh no, this is like, and terrified instead of being like, what can you do? Maybe it's bringing in support. I just feel like we need proper orientation Mm. to then know what to do to let that stuff cook, to let it have traction. Otherwise we're like, I don't know, sometimes it's like throwing darts at a wall or something like that, or like, like how to ga- want to gather it all up yeah be really interested in like almost as a person you know like this depression depression, depression. To be like a what it, who is visiting me what is this persona gather all up mm. be put it in front of you and be like what business do you have with me 
Mm. You know, who are you? I'm, I'm going to start to listen to you because nothing goes away, right? It's like that thing that cliche, like nothing's going to go away until it you get the download of what it's trying to teach you. Yes, right? this is so, absolutely the case. Yeah, I met you know when you talk about that, I imagine someone listening to this and being like, "Well, I guess it'll have to be like in the middle of the night." Just have to, you know, because like when you're depressed, you have these weird mm. sleep cycles. Like I just imagine someone being like, well, I guess I'll just have to journal and, and talk to and I don't know, like be a detective around this mm. visitor. Yeah. Whenever, whenever, wherever yep. you need to greet this persona, this information. Funny things will start to happen. Yeah. Not, and not, I think also if someone is deeply depressed, they need so much outer support. Yeah. Like to not do it alone, you know, but I think it's hard if someone just to find a clinician or someone that's more holistically, if it's, you know, everybody's going to find their medicine. But if you're interested in like, wait, is this a disease or is this like something that's approaching me? Like, is this a portal of initiation? Like if that speaks to you, then you can seek out someone that is oriented that way. Yeah. Because if you go to someone that's more clinical, there's going to be like, you have to manage your disease, you know? And so that's cool if that's your jam. But if it's not, there's other conversations you can be in. Hmm. Um, what if someone wants to be in conversation with you? Where do we find you? Um, AstridSchmidt.com hmm. or Instagram, Astrid Schmidt. Um, you can like download my spiral map workbook. Not there. too quiet or else we can't hear you. Oh, <laughs> uh, AstridSchmidt.com or Astrid Schmidt on Instagram. And you can download a free spiral mapping workbook. Hmm. It's like a short distilled um, tool resource for people that they can just download and keep on so hand. So generous of you. <laughs> Amazing of you. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This is so great. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious podcast. My name is Daniela Rabani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Rabani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review, share this podcast, I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time, every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast, produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right, have a great day.